let's go. It is the Plank Show live from Cavens Group on a Thursday of OU Texas Week. Parker Thune is in today. So I, I have to know, Park, uh, well, first of all, let's back up a little bit. You are headed to San Antonio tonight, correct? That is or correct. Not correct. Yes, San Antonio tonight, Dallas tomorrow. What's that trip? From, I, you know, I've never gone from Norman to San Antonio. It's, Is it like nine, eight? It's a bit of a hike. It's not quite that long. I, okay. So I, I know that uh, stretch of road quite well because my wife's family lives just outside of San Antonio. So ah, okay. been down there several times to go and visit them. But uh, it's about a six and a half hour drive. Okay. Maybe a little bit faster if you get lucky with traffic. Okay. So you go six and a half to San Antonio tonight. Do you go straight? Well, you got to get to your remote then, right? That's on right. Friday, so I'll be oh, back geez. up in the morning, back on the road. Dang, man! What do we know about this kid, Jonathan Hatton? Well, I mean, he's as of Tuesday, he's committed to the University of Oklahoma, <laughs> which is reason enough to go down and see him. Earliest commit? Well, I shouldn't say earliest. Assuming he signs, right? He will be the earliest commit slash signee on record for Oklahoma in the modern recruiting era. Bray Walker. Committed in November of his sophomore year. He was previously the earliest. Uh, Jonathan Hatton, of course, committed in October of his sophomore year. Now, you had a guy or two here or there. For instance, Jace McClellan committed at the end of his freshman year of high school. Obviously, he didn't end up in OU's signing class, though. So, amongst uh. guys that actually signed with Oklahoma, the guy that committed chronologically earlier than anyone in the modern recruiting era to date is Bray Walker. But Jonathan Hatton, should he sign with OU has a chance to hold that distinction. Hmm. Now, I have a question. Okay, let's hear it. In these types of situations, and again, this is a sophomore in high school, how, can you, how do you guys go about at either, you know, rivals or any of the entities, Parker, that you've worked through to make sure – okay, this is legit, this kid has an offer. Is that even a question, or do you just, you know? <laughs> well, typically, uh, we, we'll be able, without without disclosing too much of the recipe, we'll gotcha. be able to know who's got an offer and who doesn't based on some sourced conversations okay. after okay, the that's... kid posts the offer. Now, right. it is generally a good sign, and generally a good sign the kid is being made a priority by a coaching staff if you see him visiting several times unofficially. Gotcha. And that is what Jonathan Hatton has done ever since he picked up the Oklahoma offer back in June. So I believe he visited in the spring. He camped in June, got the offer then, visited again, visited again at the end of July, and then looped back around this past weekend and came up for a game day, and that was what really solidified his decision was okay. that game day visit. Okay, okay. It's just it seemed wild to me. I don't know if I've ever heard of a commit this early. So, good. hey, enjoy your track. <laughs> enjoy your trip. Oh, yeah, Drake points out, we did go down to San Antonio for the Alamo Bowl. Hey, listen, dude, that whole year was a wash. I don't remember anything. And I <laughs> and I and I sure as heck don't remember it being uh, only six and a half hours. So Parker's a better driver than I am. <laughs> now I, I do have to stop and pee all the time. Now don't get old, gentlemen. Don't get old. 
Uh, all right, so why am I having tomatoes thrown at me? Is it because I'm going against the grain in the ref yeah, row rumble man, here? come on. You were the one that broke the chain. Everybody else had gone well, so with far. OU. Everybody else had doubled down on OU. That's right. And then you switched it up on us. Which well, I, I haven't like, made I it official yet. I can't fault you for it because it's a really good opportunity, especially as the leader, to get another few points <laughs> up on the competition if Oklahoma doesn't win this weekend. But even so, man, come on, show some spirit. Here's the thing: is usually this is what happens in the in the ref Royal rumble is I'll hit a couple early, and then I won't hit any more for about six weeks. That's that's kind of what happens. So there's a part of me that's afraid because of my mush factor when it comes to this event. I had the early lead the very first year we did it. I hit on three early. I'm like, dude, this is easy, and I don't think I hit another one all year long. That last year, I, I missed a few early, and it got hot late. But I'm just kind of thinking about my trend here. I don't want to curse OU. And if everybody hits an OU and, and I miss out, then you're right, Parker. There is going to be this certain sense of where was my faith heading into this weekend's game, especially with how quickly and uh, vehemently that Teddy Lehman and you started this trend. I mean, literally, it was right as the number was posted – and if I'm not mistaken, I haven't seen that number shift too terribly much. Have you? I believe it opened at plus five and a half in favor of Texas, and I think it's up to point or uh, plus six and a half right now, mm. if I'm not mistaken. So it's moved, but yeah, not by much. It's moved in the way that you would want it to move, right? Huh. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, let's go on a on a Thursday now. Gary has checked in. Gary Cavins here at Cavins Group. That's where we spend on Thursdays, 405-573-3048. We'll talk to Gary coming up here in a bit about what has been a uh, pretty wild 24-hour stretch here at Cavens Group. The, the rains, I mean massive amounts of rain that we got yesterday afternoon have created some havoc, and that's what Cavens Emergency Response is all about. So Gary's going to swing by, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll chat with him coming up here in, in mere moments. In the meantime, you are in for a, a, a tweet. Or a treat, I should say. You're in for a treat. Because today, you get the Coach's Corner preview. So you get to hear from Todd Bates explaining Santa Claus. Right? Not not necessarily the Santa Claus, but how they describe whenever you get after a quarterback. It's it's Santa Clausing the quarterback. So we'll get to that. Uh, and Bill Beanbow and his thoughts on where this offensive line is. The whole show drops tonight. On the Sooner Radio Network, if I understand correctly, you can hear it right here, right here on our flagship, the Ref Sports Radio Network, 1499.3 FM in Norman. So you'll get it right here, but you get a sneak peek here later on in the program. And I didn't mention this to Toby or TJ because I didn't want to get on their bad side early, but I did talk to Rod Babers yesterday. And I know he's a traditional Friday guest on the T-Row in the morning show. But I do want to share just a couple of things he had to say about Texas. Because I get, and, and not, Rod's the best. He's a good, um, he's a good mind. He's smart. He's sharp. He understands it. He gets it. But to me, the thing that stands out about Rob Babers is he's going to, he's going to tell it like it is. And even in the overall hype, 
Can I use the word arrogance, Parker, of, of Texas fans right now? I think you can use the word arrogance. I think that's fair. Hype, arrogance, excitement, what, whatever term you want to use. There's even – there's some grounded individuals that say, hey, this this isn't the same team that we beat 49 is it. And there's some that just are hell-bent that nothing has changed and Oklahoma is just walking into a, a lion's den and – God, who knows? Maybe that's the case. Maybe Texas is that good. But when Rod Babers talks about Oklahoma, it was some real interesting perspective to hear it from the opposition's perspective, right? To hear it from someone that, I guess, for lack of a better term, has has lived the pain of what this series has been for Texas over the last, you know, 20 years since Bob Stoops took over. And then Lincoln has had his success. And uh, obviously, Brent is trying to create his. So uh, a little Rod Babers coming up. But since we haven't had a chance to chat this week, Parker, what's your overall feel? We've gone through the uh, press conferences. We had Brent Venables' coaches show on Monday in his press conference yesterday. Only a handful of players made available yesterday. What's kind of the vibe you get? What's the vibe check for Parker Thune? How are you feeling about where Oklahoma is heading into today? Man, or more, heading into Saturday? The more I think about it, the more I realize – this is probably exactly where you want to be as an Oklahoma fan, isn't it? Because you're 5-0. and You've got objective reason to feel good about your football team. It is not a massive major upset if you go and win the football game over the third-ranked Longhorns on Saturday. But on the flip side, you have Texas coming in at 5-0. and They beat Alabama this year. They're feeling all full of themselves. They no doubt are feeling like they're going to go on a run here and run roughshod over the Big 12. Not only that, but they're going into this game with the memory of 49 to nothing seared into their brains and the inherent sense of confidence that comes with a result to look back in the recent past on like that. And what, what do we know about Texas and high expectations, Plank? What do they we usually know? they usually are an absolute letdown. Exactly. It's just a matter of when that letdown is coming. For the last decade, it hasn't been a matter of whether Texas will hit the wall. It's simply been a matter of when Texas will hit the wall. Mm-hmm. So, again, going into this weekend, if you're an Oklahoma fan, based on what you've seen from your team through five weeks, you have a lot more reason to feel good than to feel apprehensive about the brand of football that you're going to put on the field Saturday. Mm -hmm. And you also take some confidence in the fact that Texas has never really dealt with high expectations all that well. They tend to, when they have high expectations, they tend to implode. And all we hear every single time is this year is different. And that's... (laughs) That's really kind of matured and, and worked twice in the last 20 years, right? This year's different. Okay, one year with Vince Young and one year with Case McCoy, or Colt McCoy. And could this be one of those years? Sure, it could be. Sure. It sure. could be. But I, I would argue that as much as, as much as folks nationally are talking about what we don't know about Oklahoma, do we know that much about Texas? We know they're good. We know they're good enough to beat Alabama. We know they're good enough to beat what probably is one of Saban's worst teams at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, that's a pretty high bar. So a team that's going to lose two, three, four games, that almost de facto becomes one of Saban's worst teams at Alabama. That Alabama team 
is not a squad of scrubs, but they're not a world beater in 2023 either. We know Texas is good enough to win that game, and on the road no less, and you give them credit for that. But how many times in the past, over that last decade plus, since they played for the national championship against the Crimson Tide, and the Colt McCoy era was followed by the downturn in Texas football, how many times have we seen them win a game or play with a team that was above the level they were playing on, and they come out of that matchup feeling confident, feeling like, okay, we've turned the corner, and then what typically happens within the month? Well, you're they crashing back to reality. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we got a lot on it coming up today. But, hey, right now, before we grab our initial timeout, we are at Cavens on a, on a Thursday. Cavens Group, CavensGroup.com. Gary's with us. It's been a while, 24 hours, hasn't it? It has been. It has been, for sure. Yes, <laughs> the, sir. The rains came in, and that's what emergency response is all about, isn't it? You'll have it flooding. Is. You'll have, you know, we. I mean, that was an absolute gully washer that we had last night. Kind of take us through what your guys' response has been to certain areas in town. Yeah, we had uh, several call-ins last night, and uh, water intrusion, uh, directional rain, groundwater coming in, flooding uh, with the heavy rains that we had yesterday evening, early evening, um, and then continued into the evening. And so we have a lot of crews out that have been doing structural drying all night and water extraction. Um, We have fresh crews in this morning that are responding to new calls. So if your business uh, was affected by water intrusion by last night's storms give us a call and we can come over there and help you out get it get the structural drying process going and get the water extracted and it's important to do this because remember if you don't it turns into mold that's right and uh, that number 405-573-3048 because gary there might be people that own businesses or rental properties or whatever and you you had last night and you had your time with your family or you were doing whatever and you get to work and you get to check things this morning and you realize we got a problem and that's when they should call you. A hundred percent. That's what we're here to do. We're here to help. We're here to get you back to work as quick as possible. And we're here to resolve the problem. And our guys are highly trained and they have the best equipment in the industry. Can you kind of just take us through, uh, you have committed to obviously new equipment. You've added a, a new vehicle as part of the emergency response vehicle that you've added. The importance of being able to have all that in one place. It's really important. We've added a new mobile command trailer uh, that we rolled out for Norman Night Out on Monday night with Norman Police Department. Um, and, uh, you know, we uh, also we've, we've purchased some new uh, trucks for hauling uh, drying trailers and stuff like that, too. So, you know, it's really important for that uh, continuing education for our employees, number one, uh, so they're the best in the industry in Oklahoma uh, and the surrounding, the surrounding states also. But not only that, you know, we want to make sure that we have the best technology. We have the best thermal cameras, uh, top notch. We have the best drying equipment. We have the best uh, extraction equipment. Um, And we're always looking to add new equipment in and new training procedures and everything. It's always evolving because we want to be the best in the business uh, in Oklahoma and the surrounding states. Take us through then the importance of that immediacy. Whenever you realize you have an issue, as you said, Gary, you can't just wait and think, oh, I'll I'll get to it in a day or two. You got to go now because the instantaneous nature of the damage it can do is sometimes, I don't want to say irreparable, but can do 
hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage. A hundred percent. It gets worse as uh, the longer that the water sits there, the worse the damage gets. And something important to know is microbial growth, which is mold, will start growing within 24 hours. It'll start the process. So if you leave water there for several days, uh, you're going to start seeing mold grow eventually. And so it's one of those things where you want to get in there, you want to get it dried out, you want to start the drying process, get the water extracted, and uh, get that all squared away right away before it turns into something more. And, you know, remember, when you're using Cavens, you're using a local uh, disaster response environmental company for water, fire, mold, storm damage, crime scene. And remember that we're giving back to the community. You know, we've given back uh, half a million dollars in the last four years to the community. We're a local contractor. We're not a national brand. Um, and uh, we're, you know, our ownership's not in Dallas. Our ownership's not in Kansas City. Our ownership's here in Oklahoma. And uh, me and Jessica Cavins are huge on giving back to this community, uh, giving back to the great state of Oklahoma. And so when you call the local guy, Cavins, mm-hmm. uh, instead of the, no- the national brands, remember that we're giving back, and we truly are. We put our money where our mouth is when we give back to the community. All right, a couple more, because I know you're busy. Uh, I've heard you getting your crews out and about today. Uh, I know Chris is grinding away, but you you and Chris on the roofing side, but on the emergency uh, emergency response, we're talking about a lot about water today because of the rains that we had. But Gary, as you said, that leads to mold, and that's another area where you've you've trained you and Jay, Jessica VT and, and everyone. You guys have trained yourself to make sure that you can immediate remediate it immediately and to be able to help make sure that it stays away as, as best as you can because you do not want mold to be an issue in your home or your business you don't you don't want to you know you don't want to have to worry about the health effects that it can have uh, uh, caused to your employees being sick um, you know a lot of times mold will cause flu like symptoms uh, that you know headaches and coughing and runny nose and eyes and stuff that's you know some of the s- symptoms you know that you have mold in the space that you're in but, you know, you don't want it to affect your employees. You don't want them to be sick. You don't want it to affect your family. You don't want them to be sick. You don't want it to affect your customers. So mold something you just don't throw paint over or splash bleach on, and it just goes away. It doesn't work that way. There's a science behind it, and the science is not throwing bleach on it. It just bleaches the color. It doesn't mm-hmm. actually get rid of it. And it, throwing paint on top of it, uh, it's going to come back, I promise you, every time. Um, it's just part of, there's a system, there's a science behind it, uh, that is a proven science. Um, and, uh, we have to go in and, and deal with it a certain way. So if you do have mold, uh, give us a call. We can help resolve that issue. So it doesn't come back. I get a ton of calls, Chris, of people that say, Hey Gary, we, uh, we had this mold dealt, dealt with. And um, can you come look at it? So I'll go over there to do an investigation, and they'll be like, well, I painted it or I wiped it out with bleach, and it keeps coming back. Well, it's going to continue to come <laughs> back. But I also get, uh, you know, a lot of times people that tried to do it themselves, and they're like, well, it keeps coming back. It's because they're not getting everything. There's a science behind it and a process that my people are trained in that they truly understand how to get rid of it and how to get rid of it, you know, permanently. And if you don't do the science behind it, um, it won't go away permanently. And it will continue to affect everybody's health. That's why you need to call Gary at 405-573-3048. Anything else we want to mention? Because I know you got a bolt. No, no. Just, to, you know, if you do have a water issues this morning at your business and you need help, just give us a call. We have some crew. We have several crews out and about, but we have some crews on standby, too, that can come out and help you. Get it dried out so it doesn't become a mold issue, which then becomes a health issue for your employees. I've seen the drying uh, equipment. It 
they'll get it done in a hurry. That's for certain. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Appreciate Thank you, you, man. That's Gary Cavins getting him in here early to hang out with us on the Plank Show. Uh, when we come back, your Parker laid out, and I think it's a really good point. Thanks, Gary. Uh, Texas has been traditionally and historically a team that when they have high expectations, things tend to go south. Why? We'll investigate it next right here on The Ref. Uh, okay, so so why? Why? Um, why does Texas struggle with expectations? It's the Plank Show on the home of Sooner fans, The Ref, but you know, Parker's in today, so we're drilling a little deep on the theory or the idea, or I guess maybe, Parker, we could say, the fact that when Texas finds itself in a situation like this, it, and you can even go back to preseasons, it just it doesn't it doesn't really materialize, right? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to term it a scientifically supported hypothesis. Playing. I like that. I like that a lot. Think about 2018. 2018 was a team that opened the season losing to Maryland. Lost to Maryland. Now, in fairness, that wasn't a team that came in with a lot of preseason hype, right? But they turned around and they beat Tulsa. They beat USC, TCU, Kansas State. Sooners were number seven that year. Remember, that's the Kyler Murray year. They beat us, and then they knocked off Baylor. And what did they do when they reached the number six ranking in the country? They went 3-3 three and three in their next six games, which included a loss in the Big 12 championship game. But what did they do? They beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, so what happened? Texas is back. Texas is back. The 2019 team started the season as the number 10 team in the country. By the time they left the Cotton Bowl and a 34-27 loss to Oklahoma, they were a 4-2 and two football team on their way to basically, well, I mean, I, I don't even know if there's a basically to it, on their way to just about setting up the table to get their coach fired, which was finished off in 2020. 19 was the year that, you know, I kind of thought that they had un, uh, unfair, if maybe is the term, unrealistic hype around them. But every year, every year, Parker, when they start getting some of this hype outside of, you know, and, and, and again, a lot of this, there's people that are like, oh, 49 is zip. Okay, but for argument's sake, outside of 2009 and 2005, we're talking about twice in the last, gosh, I think we go back almost, you know, 30, 40 years, whenever this Texas team has had the hype, they inevitably, it just doesn't pan out. You know, last year, last year they finished the season ranked in the top 25. Prior to that, the highest that they had finished the season ranked was ninth after that 2018 season since they finished runner-up in the BCS National Championship game in 2009. So, or 2008, excuse me. So how did you phrase that? A proven hypothesis? A scientifically supported hypothesis. Why? Why do you think that's the issue with Texas? Why is it the issue with Texas? I, I don't know, man. Like This is something that we in the media – collectively have been trying to diagnose for years and it's just texas plank it's like that's the conclusion i've come to it's just texas you know like honestly you can't you can't really completely quantify or categorize it it's almost like watching nebraska lose as many games in the fashion that nebraska has lost them regardless of who's been the coach over the last six seven years 
It's like you can you cannot lo logically take a common denominator and figure out what on earth is the root cause of all of this. That's just Nebraska. Mm -hmm. uh, it's gotten to the point where you you watch them lose another game like that, and you're like, well, yep, yeah, that's that's Nebraska for you. Similarly, I don't know what the root cause is for Texas. I just know that's Texas. I guess for me, I guess for me, the reason why I have that question of of, of why is because it seems to continually happen when they consistently have good recruiting classes and even you know coach Venable said it I think it was maybe it was Dean Blevins that had asked the question it's like you know Texas it's kind of the well I guess I can look it up here real quick Texas it's kind of the idea that you know maybe they are a little bit better in the trenches they have a little bit um, better talent than you guys do on the on the offensive and defensive line and what coach Venable says like Texas has always recruited well like, that's always been the case. So, you know, I went back through and did this last year, Parker. The only real true dips you see were like a coaching change year. And then it, it starts to ramp back up towards top 10, top 8, top 7 class. You shouldn't be consistently not meeting those types of expectations. And then Sean, off the Knippemeyer Chevrolet text line, asks an outstanding question. Outstanding. The biggest question isn't, why does Texas struggle with expectations? He asks, the question is, why is it important to the national media that Texas be good? They all but pray for it. You see that? You buy that? Because it sure seems like it. I mean, I look, I, I don't want to assume motive. And I don't want to necessarily put words in people's mouths. And when we talk Go about ahead. the national media, you know, it's like, it's a very blanket term that is almost overly broad because you can't loop everybody into the same category in that regard. For instance, you look at somebody like Josh Pate at CBS, who is notoriously one of the most level-headed characters in the business, looks at everything objectively, tries to evaluate honestly. And then you have a guy like Colin Cowherd, who I guarantee you, he doesn't even believe. 70% of the stuff that he puts out there. Agreed. He's just doing it for interaction. So when we paint with a broad brush and we say the national media wants this or the national media prays for this, I something about that feels wrong and disingenuous to me. But I, I get what Sean is saying. We do tend to see Texas ranked a lot more highly than they probably should be on paper every single year. And – I think that's that's honestly due to the fact like I, I don't think it's some massive conspiracy. I think it has to do with how well they recruit and how much talent accumulates on that roster year in and year out. And it's understandable when you look at a roster like that top to bottom and you say, okay, there's talent everywhere. It's mm -hmm. understandable that you might go, okay, Regardless of what's happened the last few years, it makes all the sense in the world for this to be the year that Texas makes a rise back to the top. I think where I kind of get lost is when we continually see that same narrative play out six, seven, eight years in a row, why are we still elevating Texas and why are we still assuming? Why is the media, the I, I guess the pollsters, why are they still assuming, okay, 
this is the year that Texas breaks through. Because, again, uh, you get to a certain point and you have enough data to conclude that a program like Texas, despite how much talent they may have on paper, they're not going to live up to expectations because we've seen this exact same movie seven, eight years in a row. Mm-hmm. Been here, done this. Been here, done this many times. Many, many times. Steve Sarkeesian's going to have a Thursday press conference. Uh, I believe that's coming up here shortly. That's where we'll probably get an update on Jatavian Sanders. I think he's the, the, the biggest name right now as far as injuries are concerned in yeah. this game. Parker, on the Oklahoma side, I, I feel pretty good about where they are injury-wise. I mean, really what? Savion Bird dressed last week but didn't play. R. Mason Thomas dressed, got in on a couple of series. And they've you know, they've been saving R. Mason Thomas for this game. I kind of feel yeah, like that's the case too. He'll be he'll be a full go. Uh I mean the one guy that you're missing missing would be Justin Harrington after yeah. his surgery. But this is a very healthy team, all things considered, five games into the season. It's what? wild. It's knock on wood, right? Knock on wood to make sure they stay that way. So we'll see if we, if we get an update injury-wise. But let's hit your Knippemeyer Chevrolet text next. Uh, the best from Coach's Corner, which airs tonight, is coming up in the 10 o'clock hour. Yes, that is the voice of Parker Thune. He's in today for Josh Helmer. I'm live from Cavens Group on a Thursday on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show live from Cavens Group on a Thursday. So, Parker, just out of curiosity. Yep. Is there any OU Texas traditions for you? Now that you are a professional <laughs> that you still take part in. Gosh, I I wish I could have traditions, but my traditions basically all revolve around game day tasks. So my my traditions are getting to the fair right as the gates open at 7 a.m. so that I don't have to wait 60 to 90 minutes in standstill traffic to park. And then – I. That's about it, man. Like I always, I always throw down a couple of the Rudy's breakfast tacos nice. before we head out onto the field for the game. They feed us well at the Cotton. Bowl. They do. I they take care that. of us. Yeah, I they appreciate take care that. of us. But like, I, no. To answer your question, I don't have any cool OU Texas traditions. Maybe this yeah, is the year either. I need to come up with one. Yeah, I don't have one either. It. Uh, I, I a couple of years ago, I wrote a story for Boyd Street. It's one of my favorite stories that I've ever written about there was this group that had, you know, they'd gone OU Texas year in and year out, and the 2021 game, that that crazy finish was the first time that they had ever gone without their friend who had passed away. And they're, they're, all their traditions they did, and they, they, they spread his ashes over an area where they had always kind of hung out. So I thought, you know, I'm like, I'll never be able to top that. That's pretty cool. Uh, the, the Cotton Bowl, I never – Really got to experience OU Texas as a wild and crazy student. Every time I've gone, it's been in a professional capacity, if you will. But since I've been doing the sidelines, I guess my my one tradition is not doing anything. That's my tradition. What's your OU Texas tradition? I go to bed early. That's my tradition. I get to my hotel room, which is an awesome hotel. I think the team stays in the Renaissance. There's only been one year we didn't stay there. And my OU Texas tradition is going to bed. That's what it is. It doesn't involve fun. It doesn't involve craziness. It involves dotting I's, crossing T's, making sure all my notes I have. And then that next morning, I love to walk the field before the sun comes up. We're always there early in the morning. We're always there, like Parker said. 
you know, right as they open the gates or even for Teddy and Toby and I to make sure we get on the air by 7 o'clock, maybe a little bit before then. I used to do, when the when the XM pregame show was at like 5 a.m., now you really had to be creative about how you got in. <laughs> because it was really hard to get into different areas that early in the morning. But it's um, it's unlike any other event, and it also leads to a lot of different perspectives, right? Everyone's got an opinion. So on the Knifflemeyer Chevrolet text line, got this from the 917. If you guys are looking for any show content, Try listening to Pete Dammel talk about the OU Texas game on the ESPN Game Day podcast. He speaks about the information he learned from speaking to other coaches about Oklahoma. Okay. Um, I queued it up. Let's um, let's listen, shall we? This is Pete Dammel, and there's going to be a moment that I'm just going to apologize now where I'm going to stop this thing down. I'm in the midst of one of those where I call a bunch of people who played Oklahoma. And, you know, to see, like, I, I think much in the vein of, like, that tier you, you guys were talking about on the pod on Monday, Ryan, of, like, what do we know about them? Oklahoma, there's still a pretty good aura of mystery. There's been flashes. Butch Jones will see them in his nightmares of, wow. And then there's been some middling play, perhaps. Um, you know, when I think about that, that Cincinnati game. So I would say this, when I'm watching – the key to the game to me is going to be the referee. <laughs> if the referee is moving and sprinting to the ball and Oklahoma is playing at a breakneck tempo, like the opposing coaches I've talked to about why this Oklahoma team's better, they just said the tempo is pressed to an absolute level of like, you know, RG3 at Baylor tempo. So if the ref is sprinting to the hash, dropping the ball, and they're moving, 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 they're going to stay in the game. Um Defensively, they are better, but they are still modest. Um, they don't have a ton of NFL talent. The linebackers are the weakness, and I would think that. Te- Parker, yeah, okay, yeah, good call stopping it right there, play. Good call. <laughs> Tell what? me you haven't watched Oklahoma without telling me you haven't watched Oklahoma. What? <laughs> Listen, Pete Thamel is a very credible and very respected national college football reporter. I am surprised to hear those words coming out of his mouth because that is simply uninformed. I, I there's no there's no way to sugarcoat that. That is an uninformed take. The linebackers are the weakness of Oklahoma right now. That is the one position group on defense that is the farthest thing from being a weakness. If he'd said the defensive tackles were the weakness, I'd be like, okay, yeah. If he'd said the defensive ends were a weakness, I'd have said, well, they've been better, but like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll still take it. If he would have said the secondary was the weakness, I'd have said, okay, well, I mean, they've played pretty good through five games, but I get it. It's not a big sample size, and historically, they haven't held up well in the long run. So, yeah, I'll, I'll hear you out on that. But for him to sit there and say the linebackers are the weakness, mm. Pete, turn on an Oklahoma football game, please. Let's just see what the rest of this. I rewound it a little bit so you guys could hear that again for shock effect. You know, that's what I'm about. Oklahoma is playing at a breakneck tempo. Sorry, I rewound a little like bit too far. The opposing coaches I've talked to about why this Oklahoma team's better, they just said the tempo is pressed to an absolute level of, like, you know, RG3 at Baylor tempo. So if the ref is sprinting to the hash, dropping the ball, and they're moving, 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 they're going to stay in the game. Um 
Defensively, they are better, but they are still modest. Um, they don't have a ton of NFL talent. The linebackers are the weakness, and I would think that Texas could exploit that. Although JT Sanders doesn't play, he's got an ankle. That would be something to watch. If uh, for those who listen for investment advice, I would, uh, I would just, I would be, I would be curious about. Uh, I'd be curious about that. I. I am not a huge believer in Oklahoma's defense, but I do know that they're better. A couple of coaches told me they simplified some schemes, streamlined some things. They, you know, were prone to huge busts last year. It was very unventables. It's starting to feel more ventables. So I think Texas is going to win, um, but I'm not ruling out that something bananas could happen. Um, from the moment they walked off the field in Tuscaloosa, Texas's toughest opponent this year was human nature. And we saw a little sleepwalkie against uh, Kansas and a backup quarterback last week. Like, they are vulnerable to bouts of human nature. And if this game does end up being one of these bananas games, um, it is not because Oklahoma has gotten past them in town. Oklahoma right now is a middle-of-the-road SEC team on the lines, offensive and defensive, in terms of talent. Like, they need – tempo is their gimmick to overcome their pedestrian talent. They're not bad, but, like, they're – they're more South Carolina than they are uh, Tennessee. We're more South Carolina than we are Tennessee, y'all. Print the Gamecock shirts. <laughs> you want to talk about bulletin board material? That is what that is. <laughs> Sheesh, man. I, I listen, don't... I, I don't think anybody is sitting here elevating Oklahoma to the level of a team like Michigan or Georgia or Ohio State right now but more south carolina than tennessee I, i'm sorry that's just wrong that's just inaccurate player of the game for the plank show today is the 917 that is an outstanding tweet outside of the guy who basically has spent every single one of his tweets complaining about me being on the show i it's it's our show uh, i'm yeah, not I'm, going yeah. anywhere <laughs> Like, look at his tweet. I think I finally – I'm sorry, Casey, it's harassment. Brian, it's harassment. I blocked somebody. So if you guys want to ding me, that's fine. Literally, every day is F.U. Plank. So uh, if I have to put up with that, I'll fire a – I'll file a complaint with human resources. I'll go to Lorraine. That's harassment. No. But outside of that, I mean, literally, this dude is the player of the game. The 917. How in the world could we have missed that? Parker, I know we're very close to the flame. How could anyone watch Oklahoma and say the linebackers <laughs> are the weakness? Well, it, well, that goes to show you he hasn't watched Oklahoma. And he said, look, this is what I've picked up on talking to other coaches about Oklahoma. But if all you're passing along is secondhand opinions of the Sooners, are you doing your job to the extent that you ought to be doing it? I would say the answer to that question is no. Ohio Sooner says on the text line, that clip was so mind-bogglingly stupid, I can't even think of a clever response. Huh. <laughs> that 917 listener also just asked, and it's a great question, which coaches are telling him this? Right, exactly. Hey, Clearly coaches that coaches? haven't played Oklahoma. Who are these coaches that are telling you this? I think, I think you might need to start talking to different coaches, Pete. That's just my advice to you. Or at least, or at least people that have somewhat of an idea what's going on. All right, we're late. I'm sorry, Parker. I'm way off the clock this hour. Let's get a break. Your texts are next on the ref. 
We don't have a ton of time here, do we, Parker? No, we, we got, got about two minutes. Okay, okay, okay. Um, okay, 5808, I can't say that on the air. But <laughs> uh, the first one, Pete Thamel preferred New Coke when it came out. Here, Here's the funny thing to me is, Parker, you hit it on the head. If you want to come and you want to say, hey, you know, Oklahoma, while they're better in the interior of the defensive line, there's not NFL draft guys, right? There's not NFL dudes. Texas has three NFL draft picks right now. They, they could end up being four or five. Oklahoma right now in that interior, you know, guys that might be a, a day three pick or are hoping for a, an undrafted free agent invite, right? If you want to tell me that Texas – is a little bit better overall defensively, that's fine. But if you're going to come, you're going to tell me that Oklahoma's weakness is its linebackers? I mean, that that to me just, my head explodes. You're telling on yourself at that point. You are. You're saying, I haven't watched Oklahoma football in 2023. It's, it's, uh, it's like a lot of people, Parker, who told on themselves that they didn't watch a lot of college football until uh, Prime came around with, like, my gosh. He's playing the other team's you know, fight song at practice. You know what I just realized, though? That take would have been perfectly applicable, and in fact, right on the head, last year. Sure. Is he talking to coaches that played OU last year and has and have assumed nothing has changed? <laughs> That's a good point. All right, we, uh, we got to go. When we come back, I can't wait to share some Todd Bates with you next. It's the Plank Show on the ref.